Welcome back. It's a Wednesday, hop day, the 8th day of March 2023. I'm your host, Mark Call, and with that in mind, we're going to start off quite a bit differently today than I often do, or pretty much than I ever do, and that's with news that we didn't hear. I'm sure a lot of people tuned into Tucker Carlson last night to see the second installment in the explosive tapes, and I mean that literally, that explain just how badly the American government has committed acts of treason against its citizenry, and not only that, but how intent they've been to keep it covered up. I guess the fact that they didn't hear anything was at least an indication on that score. What we did hear, though, right up front, made it pretty clear that it was coming. There was, of course, Senator Evil, who yesterday made it clear he hates the First Amendment almost as much as he hates the Second. Chucky Schumer, the traitor from New York, came right out and threatened Fox News. If they dare to let Tucker Carlson say any more about how the American people have been betrayed by the likes of him and, of course, the cross-dressing rhino in elephant's clothing, Mitch McConnell who tried to one-up the walking-talking Chucky doll by coming out yesterday and saying it was a mistake for Tucker Carlson to allow the American people to see the truth of what's been done to him and why those J6 political prisoners are rotting in a D.C. gulag. And he, too, lashed out at the Speaker of the House, who arguably is Speaker because he agreed to do this, Kevin McCarthy, for allowing Tucker Carlson, and, of course, only Tucker Carlson, access to the footage. Quote, It was a mistake, in my view, for Fox News to depict this in a way that's completely at variance with what our chief law enforcement here at the Capitol thinks, or has been told to think. And by the way, it was also really personally embarrassing for the scumbag who pretends to be Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, given that he's been lying about this for almost as long as the people who stole the White House. Remember, folks, it was whore and sellout Rhino Mitch, who, before the dead bodies that they'd killed were even cold, called that false flag on Capitol Hill, quote, a violent insurrection. Turns out, it was a damned lie, and he's known it all along. Now he's covering his tracks, but not very effectively. And looky, looky, folks, both wings of that same evil bird of prey, right there in the swamp, are flapping real hard in unison. Which takes me, of course, to the story you didn't hear, which should have been the lead today, On just about every paper in the country, if we still had an honest fourth estate, we don't. And that, it seems, is more video that's been hidden from you for two years that Tucker Carlson said he was going to play and he wasn't allowed to. Or so it seems. I'm not blaming him for it, because if he doesn't have a platform, he can't very well speak now, can he? But if he's the only one who's got it, for which I do blame Mitch McConnell, or I'm sorry, Kevin McCarthy, sometimes it's hard to tell him apart. I guess McCarthy at least kind of kept his promise. (laughs) Well, here's the story as the Gateway Pundit and Jim Hoff put it today. Last Thursday night, Tucker Carlson told his audience he would release information this week on his team's analysis of those 42,000-plus hours of video footage from the January 6, 2021 false flag and protest turned deadly. Thank you, Capitol Police, FBI, and other agent provocateurs. And Monday's show was explosive. Tucker Carlson, as promised, exposed how many of the narratives propagated by the January 6th commission were outright vicious and even treasonous, folks, lies. We talked about them in detail yesterday, among them that Brian Sicknick was murdered by protesters. Turned out that that was a lie. There was video and an interview with Jacob Chansley, the QAnon shaman, being escorted peacefully through the Capitol, and Ray Epps, who perjured himself before the committee. But then... The plot thickened 
When the two wings of that evil Senate bird of prey, Chucky Schumer and Mitch McConnell, jumped into action, these narratives cannot be disrupted. We will not allow the truth to be aired. Schumer went to the Senate floor, says the piece, and threatened Tucker Carlson and Fox News for daring to show the American people what really happened, and they must be kept in the dark and treated like mushrooms. Mitch McConnell sided with Schumer and against the American people, and Tuesday night's show, it seems, was watered down quite a bit. Tucker Carlson didn't release any explosive video. His interview with a Capitol Hill police officer was interesting, says the piece, but certainly subdued. And there were no big reveals on the show last night. Hey, 42,000 hours, we know a lot of stuff that's in there. And he couldn't find it, even knowing when and where it was. At least, and I think we already know the answer, he wasn't allowed to show it. Investigative reporter Charlie Atkinson tweeted out that the show plan was changed. Tweeting, from what I can gather, the plan to air more January 6th tapes on Fox Tuesday night changed. There must have been some battle behind the scenes, but they should have been addressed explicitly on the program rather than just pretending to ignore it. As Steve Bannon put it a bit more bluntly, Murdoch shut Tucker down. And as the Gateway Pundit notes, Tucker Carlson has yet to report on the four Trump supporters who were killed that day and the police involvement in each of their deaths. Just in case you watch network news, folks, and don't hear it from the real sources, their names are Roseanne Boyland, she was trampled to death, Benjamin Phillips, Kevin Greeson, and of course, Ashley Babbitt. We've seen her execution on tape. And let's not forget... Her assassin, Lieutenant Michael Byrd, outright got away with it. And we also have video of him on the Capitol floor, handling a loaded gun like the only training he ever got was from gangbanger movies. Sweeping it past other people, including Congress critters, finger on the trigger, recklessly handling a gun like some idiot who could get elected mayor of New York. Well, folks, suffice it to say that for anybody expecting another truth bomb or some actual video of the level of treason now being exposed at least once in a while in the D.C. swamp, there was massive disappointment to be had. In fairness, though, we'll give Tucker his due. He at least did say a couple of things worthy of note, starting with a couple of comments on the footage we brought you here yesterday. Chucky Schumer. The Democratic leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, is not asking why. Instead, Chuck Schumer went on the Senate floor today to explode and to say that showing that video, evidence of wrongdoing by the federal government, including the security forces, the police department that Nancy Pelosi personally controlled, Letting the public see any of that is a threat to democracy. Watch. Actually, folks, I'm not quite sure I could stomach it again quite so soon. Suffice it to say, I'll put it this way, it was one of the most shameful lies ever told on the Senate floor. And there have been quite a few of them, as you know, and a whole lot of them told by this scumbag. But he topped even himself. I don't think I've ever seen an anchor treat the American people and American democracy with such disdain. There's nothing that shameful that has ever appeared on American television in the history of the medium. And so, on the basis of that, the self-evident outrage of showing the public video that it paid for and has a right to see, Chuck Schumer called for the censorship of that video. Any information, and he did not dispute that it was accurate, the damages a storyline his party constructed and used must be squelched. And Schumer was explicit on that point. Because that video contradicted lies told by the Democratic Party, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinsinger, Chuck Schumer demanded that our bosses pull this show off the air. And here, folks, I have to note, no, they didn't pull Tucker Carlson off the air. That might have even been too blunt, even for the likes of faux news to try to get away with. Some of us, of course, would have immediately pointed to Chucky anyway, and even he couldn't have that. 
but they certainly seem to have blunted or even suppressed most of the important part of the message. He's going to come back tonight with another segment. Fox News should tell him not to. Yep, certainly looks like they did. Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, tell Carlson not to run a second segment. Yep, looks like Roger Wilco, message received. Hey, you can count on us. Conduct like theirs is just asking for another January 6th. And you can guess who will end up in the gulag next time, right? It's a threat to democracy. Pull him off the air. A couple of obvious observations. You don't often see the Senate majority leader openly call for censorship on the floor of the Senate as if that was totally normal and didn't contradict the spirit and the letter of the First Amendment. But of course it does. But what's really happening here? What you're seeing is hysteria. The overstatement, the crazed hyperbole, the red in the face anger. What is that? Well, it's not outrage. Of course, it's fear. It's panic. Those videos, which we did not retouch. Yeah, he points out again, they did everything right. Those videos touch a nerve because they're a threat to the lies that Chuck Schumer has been telling for the last 26 months. And not just Chuck Schumer. We should also tell you that Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, was joined in this outrage by the Senate Minority Leader. And that would be a Republican, Mitch McConnell. All right, well, if you say so, Tucker. And they were joined by a cascade of other Republicans. Tom Tillis from North Carolina, Mitt Romney from Utah, all sharing the same outrage. All flapping in unison, all reading from the same script. And from this, we learn two things. One, you're getting close to what they really care about. And you have to ask yourself, why? Why is it so important that they would degrade themselves by telling such obvious lies and calling for censorship? Why? What are they trying to protect? That might be worth exploring, and we plan to. Quick answer, folks. They've all committed treason. And remember what the penalty was for that, if we still had a constitution. And the second thing that we learned from this is that they're on the same side. The Senate Majority Leader joins the Senate Minority Leader. Tom Tillis, Mitt Romney. (laughs) They're all on the same side. So it's actually not about left and right. It's not about Republican and Democrat. Here you have people with shared interests, the open borders people, the people, <laughs> the people like Mitch McConnell who are living in splendor on Chinese money, the people who underneath it all have everything in common are all aligned against everyone else. And that, of course, means you. That means every American who's ever read the Constitution and knows what form of government we have, okay, or maybe had, whether Chucky Schumer does or not. They kind of outed themselves. They sort of showed their membership cards and whatever club this is to the public. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. And finally, before we move on, I do have to note what the Gateway Pundit made a big point of in their reporting. And that's the fact that back in February, Tucker Carlson announced that Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy had granted him exclusive unfettered access to the January 6th protest footage, those 40-some thousand hours at the U.S. Capitol. And again, he was the only one allowed to access them. Since the announcement, the Gateway Pundit says they, along with 33 January 6th defendants and dozens of other family members, as well as supportive media outlets, have signed a petition demanding that Kevin McCarthy also give access to them, the Gateway Pundit, and the January 6th defendants, as well as their families, who are not being provided the critical government video for even their trials. 
Wouldn't it be nice, folks, if there was another way that you could have access to this video if they do manage to silence Tucker? And certainly, so far, that seems to be the horse to bet on. The whitewash, however, would not be complete without at least a couple of words from the official spokes idiot for the most criminally evil and senile regime in American history, Corrine Jean-Pierre, asked about the Tucker video that wasn't completely suppressed, said this. Um, the president has been very clear. January 6th was the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War, and we should be focused on making sure that never happens again. Well, maybe we should be, but she's not talking about the theft of an election. This next one certainly sounds like a related item, again from the Gateway Pundit, this time Christina Layla. The Biden regime has retaliated against yet another person seeking truth. In this case, it's Elon Musk. They've demanded that he identify Oktung, all the journalists given access. No, not to the videos they certainly don't want you to see from the Capitol, but the Twitter files that were supposed to have been kept under wraps, too. In a major attack on the First Amendment, begins Christina Layla, the Biden regime is now demanding Elon Musk explain why he gave journalists access to uh, actual news information in the form of the Twitter files. And, of course, the Biden FTC has retaliated against the billionaire, demanding he provide the names of the journalists and other documents that once upon a time would have been protected by what we used to call the First Amendment. The FTC wants to put Elon Musk under oath. Maybe they think in his case that'll actually make a difference. And as the Wall Street Journal put it, the FTC has demanded Twitter, Inc. turn over internal communications related to owner Elon Musk, as well as detailed information about layoffs, citing concerns that staff reductions could compromise the company's ability to protect users, as if they gave a blankety-blank about that. Who are we kidding? This is from documents viewed by the Wall Street Journal. In 12 letters sent to Twitter and its lawyers since the October 27 takeover of Twitter by Elon Musk, the FTC also also asked the company to identify all the journalists granted access to company records. Hmm, I wonder if anyone will dare use the term hit list and provide information about the launch of the revamped Twitter Blue subscription service, said the documents. Journalist Michael Schellenberger said Tuesday, this is, what else, folks, an outrageous attack on the First Amendment, and he said he looks forward to discussing this directly with members of Congress on Thursday morning. Gee, I wonder if this time, maybe, they'll finally decide to do something, or whether that'll matter. You know Chucky Schumer and Mitch McConnell aren't going to help. Adds Christine Layla, this is important for a number of reasons because the Twitter files, so far at least, has exposed government overreach and censorship of Americans, and it's also exposed state-sponsored blacklist, exposed the far-left media, Big Pharma's lobbying to shut down vaccine criticism, COVID lies, Russiagate lies, the intelligence community's involvement in those lies, and a whole lot more. Said Elon Musk, responding to the regime's latest attack on the concept of free speech, a shameful case of weaponization of a government agency for political purposes and suppression of the truth. And it may be that this latest attack on Musk and Twitter has something to do with the CCP threat against Elon Musk, too, after he dared publicly agree that COVID-1984 was, in fact, a product of evil Tony Fauci's gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab, and as we now know, elsewhere. And just how dirty is everything associated with a criminally evil U.S. government, and how transparent is the cover-up? Well, folks, it's so bad that even the old Soviet Union's Pravda would have laughed at this one. Remember the joke? 
In Izvestia, there's no news, and in Pravda, there's no truth. Well, four weeks after Seymour Hersh's bombshell report, says another piece from Zero Hedge, anonymous U.S. intelligence officials told the New York Times, and they lapped it up like the idiots that they think their readers are, that saboteurs took out the pipeline. They were pro-Ukraine, possibly government-trained Ukrainian or Russian nationals, or some combination of the two, and blah de blah blah Why, even Ukraine's puppet government denied this one. But as Paul Joseph Watson writes for Summit News, Russia reacted to the New York Times report by dismissing it as what it so transparently was, a propaganda ploy designed to obfuscate the truth. Said Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova, speaking a bit of Pravda herself, I wonder who allows such leaks, filling the media scene with them. The answer is those who do not want to conduct an investigation in the legal field and are going to divert the attention of the audience away from the facts in every possible way. Andrei Lednev, minister counselor of the Russian embassy in the U.S., said the report served to protect the true culprits behind the attack. Quote, we have no faith in the impartiality, and he puts it in great big air quotes, of the conclusions of U.S. intelligence. We perceive anonymous leaks as nothing more than an attempt to confuse those who are sincerely trying to get to the bottom of things in this egregious crime. Shift the blame from the statesman who ordered and coordinated the attacks. I don't think he uh, uses the term statesman here properly, folks. Anyway, the politicos who ordered and coordinated the attacks in the Baltic Sea to some abstract individual, said Lednev. Meanwhile, Kremlin Press Secretary Dmitry Peskov said the New York Times story had, quote, instantly gotten a green light in the local information field and was intended, obviously, to distract from the facts presented in Hirsch's piece, saying those who have masterminded the Nord Stream attack want to divert attention. Obviously, this is a coordinated media hoax campaign. <laughs> I do think Sam Biddle, however, pretty well nails it in a tweet that said, when the uh, U.S. government or those speaking for it claim pro-Ukrainian group, they make it sound like the Ukrainian Cultural Association of Ohio, who recruited the military deep-sea divers with a 1,000 pounds of explosives. I like this one, too, from Garland Nixon. Breaking news, he uh, parodies. The CIA alleges that five random clowns in a sailboat penetrated the most highly patrolled body of water on planet Earth, drilled through concrete at incredible depths, and planted a 1,000 kilograms of highly unstable C4 plastique, then remotely detonated it with pulse sonar. Still, though, concludes Summit News, we're now at the point where both China and Hungary have called for a full international investigation into the pipeline attack under the auspices of the United Nations. There was a good-sized mini-panic in the crooked casinos yesterday after Jerome Powell threatened to nuke the economy with interest rate increases until nobody can see straight, much less pay off the utterly out-of-control unmanageable debt. The Dow was down well over 500 points, S&P off over a percent and a half, and so forth. This said Zero Hedge's summary. After a market rout was sparked by yesterday's warning from Fed Chair Jerome Powell that the pace of interest rate increases might need to re-accelerate. Said J.P. Morgan's Bob Michelle, a Fed reversion to 50 basis point hikes would be pretty confusing. As Zero Hedge notes that money markets are now pricing in U.S. interest rates to be above 5.6% later this year. And Rabobank strategist Jane Foley told Bloomberg, we'd be foolhardy. We expect we can't reach 6% on Fed rates. Dr. Ron Paul, who has pretty good cred in Austrian economics himself, wrote a piece entitled The Federal Reserve's Magic Trick, Big Tech, and said... Now you see it? Maybe soon you won't. 
Over the last year, he begins the seeming ability of stock values of many technology companies to keep rising forever has met resistance. This was true even for the major technology companies known collectively as Big Tech. And during the last 12 months, Meta, parent company of Two Facebook, WhatsApp and Instagram, along with Amazon and Alphabet, parent company of Gulag and YouTube, have all suffered layoffs and big declines in stock prices. These were the result of both bad decisions and changing market conditions. For example, and he cites a number of these, the end of COVID lockdowns obviously reduced demand for Amazon's delivery service. And also, an increasing number of People are leaving Facebook and other meta sites for newer socialist media platforms. Many of those use social media for political organization, education, or discussion, and they're abandoning Facebook and YouTube for sites like Rumble, the kind of sites that don't deplatform individuals for sharing opinions and news that displeases the woke bureaucrats and politicians. Still, though, he says the magic in this scenario, the Federal Reserve itself, played a major role in big and in medium and even small techs rise and fall. He quotes technology writers. David Streitfield, writing in the New York Times, who recently examined how the Fed's 2008 market meltdown related policy of near-zero interest rates, which led many investors to throw money at tech companies. And in many cases, these investors wouldn't have bought tech companies if the Fed hadn't distorted the signals sent by interest rates, which are all about the price of money. Basically, he said, the expansion of the Fed's balance sheet, thanks to quantitative easing or money printing to infinity, helped create a tech bubble. And now that the Fed is raising interest rates, although they're still likely well below what they would be in an actual free market, the tech bubble is being popped as investors are finally starting to see a more realistic view of tech companies' actual value, which is causing a painful but necessary correction. He gives an example, Carvana, the Amazon of used cars, which went from an $80 billion dollar fiat valuation to a mere one and a half billion bucks, a 98% loss in just 18 months. Furthermore, the tech bubble enabled large companies to grow via mergers and acquisitions and resulted in many small and startup companies being able to attract investors with a promise of a big payoff from an acquisition. But now, Samuel Abwilsamid, principal analyst with Guidehouse Insights, has accurately summed up the tech industry's recent history. He said, for Strikefield's article, quote, The whole tech industry of the last 15 years was built by cheap money. Now they're getting hit by a new reality, and they will pay the price. Says Dr. Paul, well, it's not a new reality. It's been with us since 1913 when the Fed was created, and it'll remain until the system collapses, or at least until Congress audits and hopefully, finally, ends the Fed. But if they don't, folks, rest assured, history ultimately will. I'll follow that up with just a summary of an article entitled Real Estate Bus 2.0. From the Great Recession blog, the commercial real estate tsunami, it says, has arrived. If you're a first-time home buyer, he begins in search of a home, rest assured, housing affordability, the balance between prices, interest rates, and income, has never looked this bad. The index, having dropped below 70, is literally at its lowest level ever. But when you get to commercial real estate financing, the situation is even riskier, and the impacts of the COVID lockdowns broadsided commercial real estate with huge negative impacts, which are now only compounding given interest rate increases. After all, if you've got a building that's already empty as a result of COVID, but just servicing the debt on it is getting more unaffordable by the day, you can see where the squeeze is. 
But let's wrap it up with a couple of comments from Gregory Manorino via the Trends Journal and also King World News, who says the breakdown of the world financial system continues to pick up speed and energy, and it's by no means an accident. Over just the last few weeks, every single piece of economic data, without exception, continues to be even more negative than over previous weeks. Home affordability just hit that all-time low. Real wages, the amount of cash people are earning, weighed against continuing inflation, which is rising like a bandit, continues to drop. People are pulling their cash out of money markets and savings accounts at a record pace. More corporate layoffs have been announced. And on top of all of this, credit card debt, household debt, and personal debt burdens are at new record highs. Moreover, the global economy is contracting at its fastest pace on record. And maybe, folks, trying to burn down the world is having an effect on that score. Debts and deficits, says Manorino, continue to balloon, and there's no end in sight. On top of all of this, yeah, there's war and the funding for war, which is expanding and growing. So all of it says the stage has been set. And you know who's pulling the puppet strings? Yeah, says Manorino. It's the central banksters, period. You may think that kings, queens, monarchs, and unelected presidents, along with so-called representatives or demonocracies or whatever, are doing something, but that's just an illusion. The dire situation regarding the world economy is deliberate, and it's being collectively pushed off a cliff. And we've seen it before in each of the previous two world wars. The planned war and the deliberate acceleration of the current systemic breakdown are opening up a new quarter to a new system of control. You've heard it called the Great Reset, haven't you? Already being pushed upon all of the world by various puppet governments. And this new system of control, he says, not like we haven't seen it coming, folks, includes weaponizing world economies, markets, and modes of transaction. Think Mark of the Beast now, won't you? Against all of those people who aren't part of George Carlin's big club. And may Yahuwah bless you and yours. 